Hi, this is Tracy Savage. I'm Debbie from Friday the 13th, Part 3. When I'm not hiding from axes or arrows or trying to keep Shelly quiet, I'm listening to Nightmare Junkhead. In and out of your consciousness, like a bad dream you can't wake from, this is the Nightmare Junkhead Podcast, a horror podcast that lives by the credo that genre is everything, and everything else is bullshit. My name is Greg D. I'm Genius McGee. And on today's episode, we're kicking off a month-long panic attack as we take stock in the movies seen and memories made with our annual look back at this year's Panic Film Festival. And whether you've lived your life via leather or not, you can listen into our show. Simply search for Nightmare Junkhead wherever podcasts are played. Hit subscribe, and when we drop our latest episode, we'll download directly to your listening device of choice. All up in your one too many edibles hole. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Uh, now, of course, uh, you can find us out on the social medias. Whether you've had edibles or not, you can uh, get a lot out of us. Uh, we're on Twitter at Nightmare Junk. And on Facebook, at Nightmare Junkhead. And it is on that book of face where we have an events tab, which leads to shenanigans and panicky shenanigans. And as this episode is going to be releasing on Friday, May 5th, if you find yourself Cinco de Mayo, if you find yourself in the Kansas City area, head on over to screenland.com where they will have your panicky and Cinco de Mayo shenanigans taken care of indoors. E virtual. <laughs> and more importantly, Head over to the Friday Night Fright tab. Yes. Where you can take stock in all of our future Friday Night Frights. Mm-hmm. But more importantly, the Friday this episode releasing Genius, our latest Friday Night Fright. God damn it. We've talked about it on the main feed. It is one of those that is divisive at its best, but I legitimately love it. So I hope to see all of you uh, other followers out there for It Follows. It's good. It's good. For those of you who know the show, let's just say the movie lost me. And when I get lost, it's really hard for me to get found. And I have yet, yet been found by this movie. When he goes on a path to the flowers, forget about it. All, all it is is flowers. You're, you're lost. You're lost. Now, that being said, looking forward to the uh, next Friday Night's Fright. This is one that actually competed in our uh, two, uh, 2020 into the mouth of March Madness. Mm-hmm. It is officially celebrating its 23rd year of terror mm-hmm. and one that launched a franchise. We're going to be talking and watching the original Final Destination. The Sawa is family. <laughs> Sawa is family. And another one that really leans into the Rube Goldberg-esque shenanigans of death, mm-hmm. but also like covering its tracks with death, which is with this one, which I always found weird. And Tony Todd. Voodoo magic. Always with the Tony Todd. Always with the Tony Todd. <laughs> now, the uh, other repertory screenings that are happening on the weekend of the 5th, another one that is fairly divisive, and I will say this, I definitely prefer the theatrical version rather than the director's cut, uh, and we will be taking in the theatrical cut, so please don't make us doubt your s- commitment to Sparkle Motion and Donnie Darko. Thoughts on that, genius? I like it. It's fucking weird. 
I like the director's cut better. Really? I do. Oh, because it's weirder. Blasphemy. Because it's weirder. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. But you know what? Hey, I take that back. I like the song choices sure. in the original. I like the story a little. A little seems a little bit more cohesive in a non-cohesive way with the director's cut. I don't know. It's just weird. It was. It took out all the the vagueness and some of the kind of my own interpretation that I was putting on the movie at the time back in the day. So come on out. <laughs> Maybe I need to rewatch it again because I was like, oh, I was totally wrong. So. <laughs> well, it was, the problem was when I first saw it, I was really big into philosophy and I was reading a lot of philosophy, but I can't say whether or not I was understanding the philosophy that I was reading. Would you say you can't say that? <laughs> uh, you can't <laughs> always get what you want. Yeah. <laughs> Remind me of a bad joke after we record this. Now, of the other repertory screening that's happening, and it's a movie I haven't watched since back in the day, a VHS rental, if that gives you any idea. It was fairly controversial at the time, so I'm kind of curious how it plays now, but I believe this is a director's cut of the Doom Generation. Is that a nice scene? Okay. I've seen oh I've seen that all right because I was a pervert in my Late 90s, and I heard Rose McGowan. I'm there. Oh, she does? Oh, yes. It's Rose McGowan. It is. It's another guy from Donnie Darko. It's James Duvall. Oh, really? What are you, an idiot? What's wrong with you, Doom Generation? Yeah, it's kind of an inadvertent double feature. I think you'll have a good time with that. Nice. Now, also, new release that's coming out, and I normally wouldn't plug anything by Marvel, but God damn it, I do love the Guardians of the Galaxy. I have cried during Volume 1, I bawled during Volume 2, and I have a feeling I will be ugly crying during Volume 3, and I, based on the look I'm getting, that yes, I will be, oh no, from both ends here, we're getting that. I don't know if that's a good sign or not. Oh no! (laughs) I don't want to see animal drama! Well, let's just say, I'm no stranger to a good, ugly cry at Screenland, Uh, but of course, if you don't live in the Kansas City area and you would like to support Screenland from afar... The easiest way to do that is to become a member of their film family by going to patreon.com slash screenland. But genius, if I'm talking Patreon and film family. Hey, bellies. We also have our own little crazy crew kicking over at Patreon, and that crew is growing every day. In fact, uh, we got a new pally, genius, and he's a namesake. Ah, a fellow Greg. Uh-huh. But let's just say he's definitely on he's one of the better Gregs. <laughs> <laughs> that he also uh is one of the co-hosts of the First Issues Club. Now, that is a local comics podcast here in the Kansas City area, but they've transcended going local. They are one of those that are definitely nationally known. They have won awards locally beyond they are really wonderful good podcast, but more importantly, they do a lot of good stuff here in the Kansas City area. Mm-hmm. We've actually we played Mario Golf with them. We did. Raising a little money for a number of local charities. So, Greg Lichtigue, you are freaking awesome. Yeah, dude, you're fucking rad, man. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, at his tier, of course, he does have, uh, at the Squiddly Diddly, he has access to our latest Shutter shout-out content, <laughs> which, <laughs> after talking a shirtless Leslie Nielsen. The God of Melville. I'm more of the god of uh, Mel Brooks in this case. But uh, also taking that in and bore, uh, we've got all of our Friday Night Fright content, and of course... uh, Hog will hunt. Oh, god damn it, hog will hunt. (laughs) Three times a week, 
he can listen to me reacting and responding to three first-time viewings. So if that sounds interesting, head on over to patreon.com slash nightmarejunkhead, where we do indeed, we've actually got a lot of stuff coming up here in May. Oh, yeah, we do. A lot of stuff. In fact, we just released our most recent request and review. <laughs> Film family member Arthur. I just want to be loved. Had us experience a little film from 1973 called Don't Look in the Basement, mm-hmm. a.k.a. The Forgotten. A.K.A. Death, Death Ward 13. Number 13. <laughs> yes. It was Weird. a trip. It was a yeah. trip. And you know what has been a trip, genius? The many moons, many episodes that we have been taking stock in all of the movie scene, mm-hmm. all of the memories made with all of the panic fests that we've been to. And thankfully, the traditions that we've established through this time is always when we look forward to it, we take in, we ideally, usually Adam, mm-hmm. usually Tim, mm-hmm. hopefully both. But when we look back yes. at the panic, when we look back at all the craziness, all the shenanigans, we have developed a tradition. And in fact, thankfully, they're out there doing all the work for us in many ways. Now, you know our first guest, as you will find her in a specific area at all the phenomenal festivals and at all the cool conventions. Please welcome oh, back tonight. Oh, and she has a real stank attitude. Stank ass. Please welcome <laughs> back the blonde in front, Katie Glidewell. Sorry, who are you saying has a stank attitude? <laughs> <laughs> Me. <laughs> Another one of yeah. the memories made. Okay. Now, of course, you know I'm our uh, other... Made. Now, you know our other guest as the president of the KC Film Circle. And, of course, you can read his bylines at Pitch KC. Please welcome back to Nightmare Junkhead, Adrian Torres. Didn't I just see you guys? <laughs> For like five hours? For like five, For hours? five hours? Yeah. <laughs> we were rising, roaring, and revolting, mm-hmm. yes. as it turned out. We're usually revolting, though. Yes. Not not in the, the uprising. Level. No, as in just we're gross. <laughs> so please tell our listeners where can they find you guys out on the social medias. Uh, Katie, start us off. Plug and promote away. So you can find me on the Book of Face on the Blonde in Front, uh, YouTube on the Blonde in Front, Instagram, the Blonde in Front, and my website, which is, this is different, it's the Blonde in Front. Uh, So basically everything, the Blonde in Front. (laughs) We love consistency. Mm -hmm. And sir, where can we find you at? You can find me at the Front and Blonde on, no. The brunette in the back. <laughs> <laughs> the redhead in the hallway. Um, and the bald in the middle. <laughs> oh. Oh, that sounded way worse. That we're sounded leaving. way bad. We're worse leaving. than we wanted. We're leaving. Um, you can find me at Twitter at Yo Adrian Torres. You can find me on Adrian Torres at The Pitch. Um, if you're in the Kansas City area and you pick up The Pitch, uh, this month May's yep. theme is uh, animals. And you will get to see several of my animals. Hey. Oh, there, there you go. If you're in the Kansas City area and you love animals, pick that up. Check and check. I would even say if you're not in the Kansas City, just go to the website. Is that going to be on there at all? I'm, I'm not sure. That's, oh, I hope so. That's, I uh, mean, I can, I, can, <laughs> I can take pictures of the pages and put them up that way. Smoke signals, my friend. Live vicariously. I will there always you go. live there vicariously. You go. Well, thankfully, we're going to be living vicariously through you all because... Whenever I look back at one of the Panic Fests we're at, it's oh, I'm always 
kind of lamenting the fact that I don't get to see everything that I want to. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't you get experience sometimes everything I want to, but I know you all are out there just tireless, tirelessly watching the movies, watching the shorts, making your presence known, and that is always appreciated because <laughs> looking at the lineup this year, there were so many movies that Stacked. I wanted to see. right. Dude, unreal. So I'm kind of curious, just for you guys, and I... So, Katie, how long have you been attending Panic at this point? Because it's just, to me, it's it's not Panic if you're not here with us. Sorry, it's cutting in and out. Um, I was, I flew, if it's, how long was I there? I flew in on Thursday night. I missed Renfield, but I had seen it the Tuesday before. And I thought that was an excellent screening to open up the fest. And then I was there in person until Sunday night, and I saw 13 um, films in person. It would have been more, but Saturday, um, and huge hugs, huge kisses to both of you for helping me out with the drama that I had on Saturday night. But um, everything was fine. So total for me, I saw 21 feature films, 13 in person, eight um, online and then 30 shorts and i'm honestly embarrassed that i only saw 30 i should have seen a lot more those were all virtual and i hate that i mean it's just one of those things that you know when some of these features that's the only time they're going to play i would love to see these shorts especially with the creatives i always call the filmmakers i never know who's there is an actor is it a producer so i just call people creatives when they're at the festival so anytime, you know, that, but there's so, I mean, this was one hell of a lineup, you guys, seriously, kudos to the programming, like some of the best shorts programming I have seen in any festival in any year. Uh, the features were fantastic. Um, and I love that I got to see freaking Sisu at Screenland Armor and like hike that up because that movie fucking slaps. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Um, <laughs> no, you can say fucking slaps. Sorry, mom. Oh, um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, it does because if you know Germans getting killed in every not Germans, if Nazis getting Nazis. killed in every single fathomable way is your kink, then damn it, you're gonna have a damn good time watching Sisu. But I mean, yeah, I had a great time. I can go over my favorites, but um, I'm not sure what you guys all have. Well, how many years have you been coming to the fest, and how does this stack up to any previous ones? So I've been coming to the festival since 2018. I know in 2018, um, one of my favorite films of the year, um, actually, of any festival or mainstream um, film, was uh, Tiger's Not Afraid. Mm. And I got to start that off and see that at Panic Fest, and that oh that is the way to start a festival so that's always going to be like a core memory for me for panic fest i love that the fest has gotten bigger without making it seem like it's not as personable as it was from the beginning i love that there's so many people that come you know to the festival from around the world like from around the world and everyone that I talk to have has said, it's like, you know, that this is one of the best genre festivals that they've ever been to, that they've heard of. And 
I always tell people that have anything that they're submitting, you know, to uh, submit it to Panic Fest because I think this is, you know, cream of the crop when it comes to festivals. And Taurus, how long have you been coming to Panic Fest? Uh, I've been, I was trying to do the math earlier today. So I, it's been um, seven years because it was mm-hmm. 2016 was the first time. Because mm-hmm. I saw 16 <coughs> just in, in general to partake in. Mm-hmm. And then since 17, I've been writing when I've been here for it. So it's math checks out that that's seven. Yep. 16 plus seven equals 23. Oh no, we don't want to do too much too math. Too much on math. No, not, not, not this month. Not, yeah, not, not basic math. Okay? <laughs> no, not we, this late in the night. Even PEMDAS, we kind of you're, you're, you're carrying a one. That's that's too much for you. You always go when I do math. You got to watch out for the remainders. <laughs> well, needless to say, it has been. It just doesn't feel like Panic Fest if I don't turn the corner and see <laughs> Katie up near the front. If I don't see Adrian hobnobbing around, I mean, it's just one of those things that it makes me feel. It just comforted mm-hmm. in so many ways, and you guys are part of the reason why this is something I look forward to every year. Because it's the mixture of meeting the new people and seeing the new films, yeah. but also seeing people Aww. that you don't see but once a year, sure. or maybe if, if that you know. So that's that's a, one good thing about being local. We can see Adrian a lot, but mm-hmm. with Katie, it's very rare that we actually get to see her, yep. you know? And so when we know Pan- she's know she's coming for Panic Fest or when she pulls the surprise, I'm in Kansas City visiting <laughs> or like, hey, we're in Chicago visiting surprise <laughs> yeah. type situation. It's always really cool to catch up and, and, yeah. and hang out and talk and talk shop. And what did you see? Oh, I saw this. Was it good? Fuck yeah. What did you see? I saw this. Was it good? Fuck yeah. So like that's always really cool. A well, great part of the festival. And there's there's been several times where I've found myself just standing like usually like either on the side of theater one and just getting to see everyone and to see their smiles and just knowing that everyone is having fun and they're with their film family and these mm-hmm. people that we've grown to legit love over the years and knowing what we've all gone through within the even the last three years you know it's just been one of those reaffirming just little events in my life that I need yeah. to get through everything so let me just say to everyone out at Panifest Adam Tim every single person that worked Abby Alyssa all of the people at Screenland all the volunteers mm-hmm. made it so ideally all the folks that come to watch the movies to hobnob with the artists, the, the the creators in this case, I think and I'm hoping they all had a good time because I know that's the one thing that we strive to do is to make people have this as something they can look forward to and just know it's a comforting place, man. Mm-hmm. You can feel safe and welcome to just know that it's a good place to be a genre nerd. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll even say that there, there's few times in the world where if you're watching a movie that you don't necessarily like, that you're excited that other people are enjoying it. Mm-hmm. There's plenty of times that I've been to, you know, mainstream movies and and I'm not enjoying it. And I'm like, but there's they put all this money into it. I don't I don't really care. But where if whereas if I'm at, you know, like a film festival and I'm not really into the movie, I'm happy to hear everyone else who's who's jonesing with it because yeah. you're like, okay, this this could be somebody's first work. You know, this could be somebody's second work, you know, and and people in the audience are still vibing with it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's rare to to find. It's something that you find both in genre films and film festivals where where you can enjoy other people enjoying something, even if you're not necessarily enjoying the movie itself. It's definitely part of that communal experience. 
So let's look, and actually, I thought we would just kind of go chronologically here. Uh, we kicked everything off on Thursday, as only we do at Panic Fest and Raging the Cage. And Katie, I do remember uh, one of my favorite Panic Fests that opened when we were able to watch uh, Color Out of Space up in the front. I'm not going to lie. Was missing you a little yes. on this one. Yes. Was, but when Cage can kick off Panic Fest. I know. <laughs> and even if, even if Katie's not there with me in front. This was one of those movies that plays perfectly at Panic because the communal experience in and of itself. Yeah. So many applauses and so many, so much hooting and hollering. A bunch of rabid genre fans with, with in a bloody, violent, funny Nicolas Cage movie. Oh yeah, home run. And bonus points for the multiple ska references in this film. Lots of ska. We were picking it up yes. all throughout Panic Fest, and it was like the perfect place to like have that kind of references. I, I'm I'm sorry, ska hatred is what it was. Maybe when yeah, you saw it, I don't. I don't recall the love at least in Renfield regarding the. Ska, They're talking mad shit on ska. There were ska mentions, but definitely not positive ska mentions in Ren in Renfield. Uh, apparently yeah. I, I must have gotten the boss tones cut then because I just felt nothing but love. I don't know about you all. Oh no, I got nothing but hate. Yeah. They're like, uh, he likes ska. Uh. And then and then yeah, then they have the comment where the guy goes, Isn't that one of isn't that the one with all the horns? And she goes, No, that's an oversimplification of the genre. <laughs> <laughs> oh it just all of that stuff killed in the theater, and then once that by the once time the blood and the violence hit, well, and spe specifically the apartment siege, yeah, when we get that Street Fighter esque shot when he kicks the guy mm -hmm. and he vomits and poops at the same time, yeah, that yes. was pretty gold. And then when we get the flying, either the elbow or the leg drop that splits the guy in half. Uh -huh. Oh, yeah, all the wrestling moves and just everything was just fun. It, that's just it. And that's when the entire theater broke out into applause. And I was like, oh, we're starting well it's on here. panic fizz, baby. Yeah. It was quite good. Uh, were, you, were you at that one, Adrian? <laughs> yeah. Okay, okay. You were right there with us, weren't you? Yeah, I yeah. was right there with you. I was, I, was, I was down in front enjoying it. Trying to focus a little bit more because it was one of the ones that I was writing about. So, uh -huh. but but yeah. What did you end up thinking then? I'd see, I it's a it's a weird movie because I enjoyed it. It's lots of fun. I won't I won't shit on it anything like that. It is a movie that if when you discuss it like a day later or so, there are some little things that you're <laughs> like, ah, oh, yeah, this could have been worked. You know, this could have used it, but it it's one of those that it's great to see. With a large theater, because mm -hmm. I think if you're seeing it with a large theater, you're gonna have a better time than if you're just watching at home. If you're watching at home, you're gonna be like, "Yeah, that was fun. I, I enjoyed it. it." But it's one of those films that works with the infectiousness. Yes, when mm -hmm. you're in there with with a, a rabid audience, as Gina said, a, a rabid genre crowd that's ready to eat something up. <laughs> you know, so I, I think that that definitely influences you at the time. Absolutely, I, it, it's in no way a bad movie. Uh, I think it's it's fun, and there's nothing wrong with using a three-letter word like that. So, Katie, where did you end up catching Renfield at? I had a screening um, the Tuesday before, and I got some swag. They gave away, like, um, little Renfield uh, bike guard cases that had the fangs and then sunglasses. And um, that was both a critic's and... Uh, um, 
crowd screening and yeah i mean we had we had a great time i just think i mean i thought the practical effects i thought the fight scenes were incredible um i love it's like i mean i know as much as nicholas cage has you're back you mentioned nicholas cage there we go there we go yeah sorry guys you're good you're good um as much as Nicolas Cage, it, you always think of him uh, playing or wanting to play Superman. I feel like he was born to play Dracula. Like he was campy. He was um, he was captivating. The whole thing with gaslighting and manipulation um, was hilarious. I mean, just some of the lines that he did, it was like, oh my god, this is so funny and. I can't see anybody else doing it the way he did it. Like, I thought it was a, I thought it was a great film to see in the theater and have a great time with, especially with a crowd. So that's why I think, um, yeah, starting the fest off with Renfield, I think, was a smart move. I thought it worked well. I thought mm-hmm. it worked well. Now that being said, did you catch anything after that, Adrian, on yeah, Thursday? I, I, I saw a trim season. What was trim season? Uh, trim season was the one that hooked me because they said that it was a cannabis witch. Oh, that's right. That's right. The Weed Witch. But it's 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 an interesting movie that's shot like really well. It's acted really well, mm-hmm. but then it just doesn't go where you'd want it to as soon as you would. It's the type of movie that would piss genius off <laughs> because there's a point early on in it where they mention, oh yeah, you can't smoke that because that's specially made for me. And, of course, somebody smokes it, something bad happens, and they blow it into somebody's face. And then somebody starts having visions and stuff. And then it's not until later in the movie that, oh, maybe it unlocks something in them. But it takes them about an hour to get to the, oh, maybe it unlocked something into this person, which would cause Genius just to go into a flying rage and say, oh, if, you, if you're going to hint that maybe somebody's going to get powers, maybe don't spend an hour doing so. And that and that's the the thing about it is that it it very much takes its time for mm-hmm. for a long time of of the film and then is one of those where in the last fifteen minutes stuff starts happening that you wished happened like thirty minutes earlier. So the juice isn't necessarily worth the worth the squeeze in this case. The the bud's not necessarily worth the trimming. <laughs> yeah, that's quite good. That's quite good. I can agree with that assessment. Yeah, I think that's very. I mean, I thought the cinematography was great. I thought the casting was fantastic. Anything that Alex Esso is in, I'm probably going to be a big fan of. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I felt it definitely took its time getting to where it needed to go. And I also didn't think the reveal, I couldn't necessarily see like. I understand what the reveal was, but I don't, I feel like it should have been more dramatic. Yes. Um, and I thought that was underplayed a little bit, but I enjoyed the film. I thought, um, it's interesting to see, um, the whole thing with trim season and stuff and definitely made me want to think about smoking. (laughs) (laughs) That's probably the intended effect of the filmmaker. I would have to assume to do a little pairing there. Well, then on to Friday then, um, and this is when Katie officially made her way into panic. And I know, Adrian, I saw you nice and early. So uh, <laughs> what were some of the highlights of a Friday for you guys? I'm, I'm going to let Katie start on this because I know that we're going to be talking about the same movie first off. 
<laughs> well, the first film that I saw was I saw um, Satan Wants You, mm. which is a documentary about um, the satanic panic of the 80s. Oh, cool. And honestly, it um, watching that, uh, wow, people were really stupid <laughs> when we were kids, like real dumb. Like, I mean, I had so many questions just as a very novice into um like investigative journalist like did no one look at any of i mean at any school records regarding these people and i don't know wow i i am surprised america has um has survived as long as it had with how really stupid people are um, I also found it very interesting, though, how um, the church really supported this and like got um, different books, like put all the money behind the books and stuff like that, which does make sense with all the changes that were going on in the 70s. And then for the 80s, like, you know what? Let's really hit it to the devil. Let's really make sure. <laughs> um, but wow people are stupid they really really are um and it took them four years no actually not because a lot of stuff um came out that it was false like in the 90s but damn people are dumb but my favorite film um was artifice girl by franklin rich i love that movie from beginning to end i think uh I think the script was amazing. I think the lead actress, uh, I don't have her name, but I think she is absolutely incredible. And I think Franklin Rich putting himself in uh, not only as the writer, director and the lead actor, and then um, having Lance Henriksen in it um, on the kind of final act was just chef's kiss. I think this is definitely a person we need to watch uh, with, you know, Bertrand, future endeavors i know i think artifice girl if it didn't come out last friday on different streaming it's i think maybe it's coming out this one this friday but i yeah that's that artifice girl is my was one of my if not my number one film of the festival well i know that mike flanagan just tweeted about it saying it's like was just surprised him shocked him and i know with a lot of people, they're always waiting for that Stephen King little bit of approval. Mm-hmm. Seeing that he's basically a mini Stephen King at this point in terms of his adaptations, <laughs> he's a like- sad Stephen King. <laughs> <laughs> he won't fuck. He'll fuck up a kid, but he won't show it. He won't show. So he's it. a sad Stephen King. <laughs> but uh, Lynch, Joe, our, our good, our good friend Joe Lynch, did give it four stars. Okay, who? who? Oh, fuck Joe, so, who? Fuck you. <laughs> Who the fuck is Joe Lynch? <laughs> who the fuck no. is Joe well, Lynch? If Joe Lynch, yeah, okay. If Joe, Joe Lynch, Lynch gives it a good, then yeah, okay. And then I, I'm, I'm right there with with Katie that I, I, I think it was, it's one of my favorite ones of the fest. I would say that from like the genre indie aspects, mm-hmm. then I definitely think it's one of those like if you had a new voice award or breakthrough one that I would definitely give the award to to this movie just because it's. And I've been describing it to lots of people along the lines of something that, like, when you see Primer for the first time years ago, um, we're not talking about the filmmaker or anything about yeah. that, but just a film like that, a film that that decides, okay, we're not just doing science fiction, we're going to do hard science fiction. It's, it's more so like the stripped-down version of uh, Ex Machina 
because of what it's dealing with and stuff like that. And it's it's one of those that it's basically a four-hander, that there's four four actors for, for the majority of the movie. Um, and it's just, it's so well done, and it takes its time putting forth, like, all of its ideas. I, there is a whole bunch of jargon in there, but the jargon's never, like, forced down your throat in a way that you can't um, understand it. Um, cause all the big questions are, are really interesting in what it has to say about AI, mm -hmm. but not just about like AI, yeah. but then also like, uh, creatives. I, 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 I will say that I, I, I hate to use the word like creator nowadays just sure. because people put, whenever they put creator, they think that it means content creator. Yeah. So I'll say creatives cause that's what we're talking about. We're not talking about YouTube, TikTok, any of that crap. But when it comes to people who are like scientists or engineers and they're they're coming up with new ideas that are possibly going to break the mold is we always look at the end result of what's made. We don't necessarily look at the people who are making it mm -hmm. and that what is it that caused somebody to make something, you know, whether it's for, for good intentions, bad intentions. Mm. If it's something that they're that's coming out of like hatred that they're making or something that they're processing. And so this movie looks at both the AI aspect but then the creators of it and it's just it it builds and builds like it's basically three sets but technically yeah. only two sets because the first set is then redressed to look like another location and it takes place over multiple years and then when Lance Hendrickson shows up like it takes on another element to it and that you could also say that this movie is kind of has the feel of like a David Mamet or Aaron Sorkin stage play because you do have lots of it's very dialogue heavy, but it's never boring. And especially when you get to no. that third section with Lance Henriksen and lots of things are coming forward and the human sure. element is what's in it. And like I know no one will give it the attention that it deserves for something like awards and stuff like that. But what Lance Henriksen does in like the last 30 minutes of this movie is just Fantastic! I think there's plenty of times that you see him in lots of stuff mm -hmm. that just feels like it's a throwaway thing and you forget how good of an actor really he good. is. And this is one of those performances where you're like, they probably only had him for like a day or so, but he's so tuned in. There's so much emotion and so much that's going on and just like the little bit that he's on screen that mm. it's, it's, it's so... Just well done, and I definitely think that everybody should see it. It also, thankfully, I'm going to say this here because I, I know that normally we have a, a negative connotation when it comes to what's the overarching theme or what's the thing that's in so many of the Panic Fest films. Normally, it's dog mutilation or 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 a right. forest of dog. This year, it's interpretive dance sequences. Interesting. Yes. There was at least four that I counted, and this movie is one of them. I didn't see any dance scenes or dongs. So like, <laughs> you weren't seeing the right ones. I my guess I, I know your panic fest sounds significantly better than mine. <laughs> Fucking over, we're over there helping people out to the hospital and shit. You're over there watching dongs and dance numbers. No, there were no dongs. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, just, no dongs this time, more, but just more interpretive so just dance. dance. Oh no, there there were dongs. No, there were no dongs. Yeah, there were no dongs. No, there was. You were That's gone. That's one of the things that I used to describe panic fast. <laughs> she describes it with the dongs. <laughs> that's that's fair, actually. I can be down with that. Um, I will tell you this. One of the films I describe it. It's like you have a minimum 
Oh, no, go ahead. No, please. We need more dong talk. Oh, no, no, no. I always um, say that Panic Fest has like a minimum of uh, three um, mutilated um, dick films. Um, and uh, in fact, uh, a mutual friend of the fest, Abby, was bringing her boyfriend to it for the first time. And it's like he's like, oh, he had certain things. I'm like, well, he just get him ready for those um, dissected dicks because, you know, we got <laughs> that gonna be a lot of every single year. Some dick and then trauma. what happens? You make a liar out of me. It's like there's <laughs> I don't think I saw one mutilated dick. So way to go. <laughs> I've never seen some poor person just wandering around the festival and dong. Where's the dick? Dong, dong, Where's the mutilated dongs? <laughs> I was promised mutilated dongs. And God damn it. I'm not leaving till I get it. All right. Come on dong, to the back. Dong party of one. Yeah. The beaded curtain. So <laughs> on Friday, I had a chance to check out a little flick called Walking Against the Rain. Uh, this one is a UK film, and the best way I could describe it is it plays very much like a British version of After Midnight in that it is very conversation-heavy. It's a creature feature, but the creatures are kind of on the periphery. But when the creatures hit, they hit. The The little moments of characterization are really nice. They're actually, it's these two people that have survived some sort of a apocalypse, uh, but they're communicating via walkie-talkie. And so they can only talk like every, you know, 9 o'clock in the morning, 1 o'clock in the afternoon, 9 o'clock in the evening, and that's it. So then they have these little charged conversations about regret and life and all these things. All the while, these Geiger, Giger-esque creatures are stalking them. So it plays very much like kind of a movie you'd see at Panic Fest, but like, much like some of my favorite features at Panic Fest, the very ending of this film features something that I was not anticipating to the point where when the movie finished, I felt like a little bit like genius. It's like, holy shit, that's a beep, because I don't want to spoil it for anyone, but it was really freaking cool. So it was one of those I don't know if I would have seen if I wasn't necessarily doing the Q&A, mm -hmm. but I'm really glad I got a chance to catch one. Did anyone else by catch that either... Uh, in person or virtually by any chance? I did not. Okay. But, uh, Katie, did you did you see Walking Against the Rain? I did. I checked that out virtually. And, Greg, I think you nailed it with the After Midnight comparison. Um, I think that's a perfect way to describe it. Uh, I was a little disappointed that the um, monster was revealed so quickly. Cause it seemed like this was definitely made on a budget, mm -hmm. but um, yeah, I like the interactions of the characters, um, you know, through the walkie talkies, considering whatever you don't necessarily know what the apocalypse is and stuff. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, it was, it was a decent film to watch online. I know I, you know, when I watched it, I will say they did reveal something about, uh, they were filming really close next to the uh, next uh, Mission Impossible film, mm -hmm. and they did have a Tom Cruise interaction, which was actually kind of rad. So, uh, other notable films from Friday here, gang. Uh, Brooklyn Forty Five. Uh, for me, yes, Brooklyn Forty Five. Which I need to say that I thought Jeremy Holm was—he's uh, probably my favorite actor of the fest. I. Thought that was a very interesting take on the greatest generation mm. and, you know, having a discussion regarding 
uh, not some great things that uh, were done during World War II, even though uh, that's, you know, uh, really a topic that is kind of not mentioned a lot. And, uh, you know, when usually the winners of something like that happens, you kind of uh, tend to bypass all the reasons why, you know, we tend, you know, we tend to win wars and stuff like that. And I thought for a central location, I thought the set was great. I thought um, all the, you know, different things on the walls just made it very, very creepy. I thought the effects for what they were, were fantastic. And the Q and a that Ted did, it was a very, very personal film for him. So I thought that was uh, refreshing, you know, always to see, someone be so open about the process and what the film meant to him since this was a film he really wrote with his father and then his father passed away shortly after they got done um, writing it. Mm. Yeah, it was it was extremely well done. It's one of those that the acting all around is top notch. It's another one that was basically, you know, just one location had a, a play vibe to it where you know, uh, different allegiances are coming out at certain times. Twelve uh, Angry Ghosts. The uh, I, I mean, well, yeah. <laughs> t- twelve Twelve Angry People summoning a ghost. <laughs> it would be more so uh, along the lines, but it, it does definitely have that that vibe and feel to it. I do agree with you that Jeremy Holm was was fantastic. I, I would say that he was the the unofficial mascot. Uh, this year because he was also in and black mold and he was he was out there mixing it up and everything the for uh, Brooklyn 45 he was actually wearing the atomic cotton the ranger shirt so it was one of those that you say it it was the inverse of don't wear the the shirt of the band that you're going to see it's (laughs) he, he it would be if the front man was wearing the shirt of the band so, because you had the ranger walking around wearing the ranger shirt. That is the ranger. Holy yeah. shit. Oh, my God. I just now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was him. That's yeah. A... <laughs> we missed out. God yeah. damn it. We got to stop doing so much stuff so we can do more stuff. <laughs> I, I, I hear you. I hear you. This was actually, this one did play opposite of walking against the rain. I definitely. Now, question. Is it is it Gagan or Gigan? I always thought it was Gagan. I thought it's Gagan. I'm gonna I'm gonna ask Katie. I because, thought it was Gagan. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I, w- I was gonna ask Katie because hey, I thought it was Gagan. Yeah. No, no one no one can can see of course because this is a podcast. But will you please uh, tell people what poster is behind your head? Oh, it is. Um, we are still here. Oh, which uh, yeah, I am a fan of him and. <laughs> Lo and behold, you know, this had uh, this is his film. And then Barbara Crampton was in this as well. Oh, oh we'll get to them here in yeah. just a minute. But I just I just wanted to give it a, a special little shout out because it's in the background there. So if you if you want to know if one of the right people was was chosen to a talk about that film and, and to talk about genre film festivals in general, then we got it. But I think I think we all had the same film that we need to uh Discuss next. Oh, yes, because I was, I was sitting next to Katie and Sisu and constantly was just giggling and cackling. And at one point, she looks, she's like, "Hey, isn't that the little kid from from Rare Exports?" I'm like, "God damn it, Katie, you're you're making this just the best experience ever." This one was a highlight, 
and I didn't even get to finish all of it. Sisu was fucking dope. Sisu, World War Wick is basically <laughs> what it was, and I loved it. Loved it. Whenever you can see a movie about Nazis getting dispatched horribly, violently, in very unique, cool ways, all for it. And I was really like, one thing about Panic Fest, whenever we're introduced to a dog or a cat oh, or any animal in genre film, it's like, oh, 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 <laughs> oh. And this not dog. Yeah. Right, and this dog was a good dog, and he was a pretty dog and a happy dog, and so I'm like, oh, oh, right. Fortunately, yeah. the horse makes, or the dog makes yeah. it. Yeah. The horse doesn't. Oh boy, the, the horse. horse does not make it, but the doggy does. Oh, that is an understatement. <laughs> that just and to hear people react when that moment hit. And honestly, though, the sec and the dog shows up like two seconds in the movie, and my anxiety yep. kicked my, in. Uh oh, Nazis like, and dogs? That's not a good combination. No, it's not. And given the track record of Panic Fest, we know bad things can happen. So, yeah, needless to say, that the bad guys that you want punished are punished, including John Nazi Riley, who I swear there is one of that John one. Nazi Riley. He ah! had such a John C. Riley thing that i could not unsee it but i was a i was a little upset that even the trailer gave away a lot of the good stuff but not which, all of the good stuff which not i all of it. which i liked but it's, not all yeah but it was still a little frustrating because i always try to avoid that stuff but do you all remember for me the highlight of that screening wasn't so much the movie but all the stuff that was happening beforehand with the men in suits oh the z in the Sioux. Do you all remember the gathering of our men and uh, the men in the suits? Yeah. <laughs> and why everyone was like, where the what's going on? Why are they here? And it mm -hmm. turns out I believe Sony had just purchased it. Well, I, I mean, it was it was literally like because it was playing on Friday. It was two weeks before it was going to come out. And it was a Lionsgate slash Sony thing. So yeah. it was very much a we don't want this getting out there. <laughs> Put your comments away! Put your comments away! I'm like, okay. It was freaky and because no one knew what was going on. I thought maybe it was part of the movie, just something of the little pomp and circumstance. Are they going to come up in front and all of a sudden whoosh, rip off the suits and like it's like outfits or something and they do a dance number or something like the Sisu breakdown or something? I don't know. <laughs> I was like, well, what's these going? What's these guys? These, these guys don't look like the normal Panic Fest parishioners. <laughs> Katie and I are, are used to seeing individuals like that at screenings. That would make sense. You guys are accustomed to a lot of that stuff. Us newbies, however, <laughs> we were not accustomed to that. Woo! And then after Sisu, the, you had your choice of uh, Evil Dead Rise or the Joe Lynch secret screening. Ah, uh, yes. The Joe Lynch secret screening. In fact, uh, we'll just throw this out there. <clears throat> Thank God it's Friday! With Screenland Armor, I got a very, um, I don't know. I uh, You got a very got a what? A little technology again. That's okay. So, yeah, after the Sisu screening, you had a choice of either Evil Dead Rise or the Joe Lynch secret screening. No. We chose the Joe Lynch secret screening, which was... 1978's Thank God It's Friday! And I'm not going to lie, I'm a little upset because I uh, I wore a mustache 
specifically for that evening. In fact, uh, I actually have a, a nice picture with both of you all sporting <laughs> said mustache. mustache. And uh, was a little upset when I show up the next day. And the reason I had worn said mustache was because Joe Lynch was wearing a mustache. And that coward got rid of his the day after. So I was a little <laughs> upset. You didn't get you didn't get yelled at, though, by both of them. For because you chose to go to the other movie. Oh yes. Because you couldn't get a ticket to it because Joe Lynch's thing went they went like hotcakes like that. Yeah, I was deciding and by the time I got up there it was like, up oh, that one's already gone. I'm like, oh, what? What? And so literally when I, I was opening the door to come in on on Friday uh, afternoon and almost ran into to Joe and he goes, Oh hey, sorry and then stopped and goes, Hey and gave me a big hug. And then his his wonderful wonderful girlfriend. I think we have to give her special mention. Becca rules because Becca does rule. Becca Becca's, Becca's just awesome. So mm-hmm. great, and she 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 now is excited and asked right away for her the hug, hug. <laughs> because when she was here last last time, she was like everybody's hugging, but no one's offering me hugs. So we're like, oh, if you want a hug, we'll give it to you. So so right away, I got my Joe hug, and then I got a Becca hug. And then Becca was actually the first one who asked and said, oh, so are you are you coming to tonight? And I said, no, I couldn't get a ticket. And like the sadness that just dripped over Joe's face. Mm-hmm. But then Becca hit me and I'm like, I feel terrible. I just want to hide right now. I'm sorry. Shame. But but I did see Evil Dead Rise. Yeah. Oh, look what I got. What do you got? <laughs> oh, well, well, a cheese grater. Oh, oh boy, a genius. This is Chicago swag, baby, right here. <laughs> yeah, cheese grater. Okay, protect protect your calves. Here, here's my yeah. issue with Evil Dead Rise and all the cheese grater marketing. Okay, my it's a major beef. See, look at that. Okay, see, look at that. Okay, so if if you're gonna have a scene and you're going to hype up that there's a cheese grater attack in there, right? Mm-hmm. Don't just make one swath like rip, 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 like fuck that leg up. You know what I'm saying? Like that's my only beef with the cheese grater that it was just like not a lot. I want to see, I want to see not just you, one you you, you, want the, you want the skin flakes? Fuck yeah, no, because here's the thing. Here's the thing. If you're going to have an Evil Dead and they're going to go to the cheese grater, they, like in all the other Evil Dead movies, when they start, like, attacking, they do that, like, strong (laughs) robotic thing. Fucking do that with the cheese grater. Shred, 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 shred. I want to see about at least five or six swipes across the leg, not just one. And then pick up the the, the linguine, throw it in the pan, or fucking eat it like it's big league chew. That's what deadites need to do. So when it was only like one slice across the trees grater, I was like, okay, where's the rest? Genius, this is a different book, remember? Maybe maybe the way it affects the deadites is different in this book. Still. Where's the rest? If I'm attacking somebody with a cheese grater, I'm not a deadite. But if I was, I sure as fuck would do more than one swipe. Well, see, that's a different form of logic then. Because you don't know exactly what a deadite's thinking at the time. They want to kill people. So if you're going to want to kill people, then why would you just do one slice? Well, she was also getting getting away at the time. Then that's why you do more slices. If you rip their leg up, they go get away. back, man. You know? Uh Uh-uh. Uh-uh. We're talking about efficiency, uh-uh. not consistency uh-uh. here. Uh-uh. I know. If you want to be efficient, fuck that leg up. Yeah, I'm talking about quality, not quantity. No, that's and I'm talking about quantity. Okay. Okay. 
Okay. You get quanti- you get quality with more quantity when also, it comes to cheese also, grater. Also, I have I have two words for you. Unrated. Okay. Oh, oh, okay. okay. We're waiting for that. We, okay. we could be. That'd okay. Be good. Okay. I'm down with that. I'm down with that. Definitely. I'm down with that. I was pl- I was pleased with unrated Megan. <laughs> unrated Megan had literally six seconds more. I was so pleased with it. Well, I, more is good. Uh, Katie, how did you feel about the level of bloodletting in Evil Dead Rise? The the level of bloodletting in Evil Dead Rise, Katie. Are you pro or or negative on it? On Evil Dead Rise? No, on the on specifically the bloodletting. I mean, it's it's one of those things that. Uh, when it was going on, I was saying to myself, like, this girl's not going to be okay. Like, that was, uh, I don't, I actually love Evil Dead Rise. I saw it three times in the theater. Um, I love the nods to different um, films, uh, different genre films, without them being, like, blatant rip-offs, but more like a respectful, like, thank you uh, to what they were honoring and i love the cast i loved uh that keyhole scene um it because that's just oh but damn um i think something about pan- oh you know what there are a number of films where people had their arms ripped off that was a thing with panic there fest you. and this is yeah. this was definitely one of them because i think there were three films that i saw where people had multiple <laughs> arms ripped off so it's like okay so that's one um interpretive dancing and um limb removal uh, but yeah, I like I like this Evil Dead. I hope they do um, another one um, in this stream. And I think Lee Cronin. Um, I, I I look Evil Dead Rise had me at the freaking title card. I'll be honest. <laughs> like that's when I was like done, sold. Uh, I'm buying it. Thank you. Good night. <laughs> yeah, I liked it. Don't get me wrong. I liked it. I just wanted a more, uh-huh. a little more. Uh-huh. Well, I, let me ask you all this because you talk about the interpretive dancing. Yeah, was the Leatherman's dance on all the cars? <laughs> could that be considered an interpretive dance? Is the question? I don't know. Yeah, Adrian <laughs> wouldn't know because somebody wasn't there. <laughs> oh, that's just mean, man. You just can't do that. I've seen the movie before. <laughs> no, yeah. <laughs> actually, it's not a bad flick. I was actually kind of impressed with it. I actually had a lot of fun with it. I had a blast with it. But it's definitely one that's a standout in terms of one of these things is not like the other. <laughs> in terms of everything else that we had there at Panic Fest. But beyond Evil Dead Rise or Thank God It's Friday, I think Friday closed out quite well. Mm-hmm. Uh, other ones from Friday that you guys were able to check out? That, I mean, that's basically the... the that, that was, was it. Yep. Yeah, okay, was let's move to Saturday then, where a number of movies uh, we were able to take in. Yep. Some favorites on Saturday, gang? I hosted the Abruptio screening. Oh, Abruptio. <laughs> well, now, that was peculiar. If David Lynch made a Sesame Street movie, but threw in a little bit of the script from Saw, you would get Abruptio. It's fucking weird. Oh, my God. It's weird. It's heady. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. It's I enjoyed it, but it's fucking weird. It's a lot of uncanny valley. A lot of like, 
wait, what? <laughs> What's going on? Huh? And a lot more blood. I and called it a nudity. bizarro version of the machinist. <laughs> I can see that. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's it's real heady. A lot of mind fuckery, right? But, but like, I mean, it's I know that kind of gives some stuff away, but it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, she's she's right. It's just it's a movie that kind of hurts your brain. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and, again, that's kind of perfect for Panic Fest and things that I thought were happening that like, oh, this can't be real. But it is, and you're just like, wait, wait a minute, wait, 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 hold on. Where did they come from? Oh, that's not the explanation that I thought it was going to be. Oh, so that's re- that's really what's happening. And when I found out what was really happening and what really was going on, I was like, mm. bravo, bravo. Okay. I've never okay. seen that situation dealt with that way. Just the puppets. The, the effects of the psychoses mm-hmm. that's going through, the traumatic shit. I enjoyed it. I can't recommend it to everybody. <laughs> not everybody's going to like it. Not everybody's going to get it. And a lot of people are just going to take yeah. one look at the puppet and say, fuck no, and then just go off. And But at the same time, if you can stick with it, if you like heady Lynchian shit, then you might dig this one a lot, actually. What do you think, Katie? I I mean, it's I will say it's unlike any film that played at Panic Fest. Mm-hmm. The whole thing like is it puppets when it's people with puppet heads and there's kind of puppets involved and stuff, but then it's actually people in these costumes to make it look like they're puppets. But I mean, the just the um name after name for the voice actors. Yes. I mean, this is one of Sid Haig's final films. Mm. And that was, you know, anyone that met him or was able to interact with him the years he went to cons and stuff like that, to hear his voice and right away, it's like, aww, yeah. hey, buddy, I miss you. Yeah, Like, that was, that was very, very, very cool. But, I mean, you've got Jordan Peele, you got all these people in there, then it's like, my God, how, what? Uh, yeah, but it is definitely, uh, it was definitely original. Uh, it is unique. And I, um, Genius, I have to say, I think you did an excellent job at the Q&A afterwards. Like, that was one of those films where I was still kind of dumbstruck after I watched it. Yeah. But like I said, I thought it was just a bizarro. It's like, okay, so you're just trying to do like some really effed up version of the machinist. Gotcha. Okay. I, I okay, sure. With with life size puppets. Yeah. And it was a hard Q and A to do because like yeah, I'm with still life-size puppets. Huh? Yeah. Because I'm still trying to process and figure out what the fuck I just watched, you know, and I'm trying to like, did I like it or not? Did I because it's one of those ones where you can't like right off the bat going, oh, I loved that movie. It's like I need to sit on that and I need to think about that one for a little bit. And so like having to do the Q&A right after I'm like, (laughs) so what was it like working with the puppets? Did you need a Wrangler? You know, like so. Yeah. But it was interesting. It was good. Yeah, now, kudos to you because 
That was, that would have been, yeah, that would have been hard to do. I want to say it's like a film version of like uh, Stefano on, um, or Stefan on uh, Saturday Night Live. Because I mean, there's so many things in it. Yeah. And I don't want to say, because it will give away the film. Yeah. But wow, like I said, it's, it is definitely unique. And um, that is a festival film. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. There's things in there that I ain't never seen before. Yeah. We'll never unsee. Yeah. True. Now, I, I oh, wanted to. And Puppet Squiddly Diddly. Oh, true. <laughs> Very much so. Um, I, I know there's there's another movie. I know everybody's going yeah. around talking about this. There's a movie that I kind of wanted to, you know, skip because, you know, it's it's difficult to talk about. You know, yeah. Yeah, it was shot well. Yeah, it was acted well. But the, I mean, there. The director of this movie was just was too handsome that it was annoying, and he was all over the place, you know. And he's very shy and and mean, soft spoken. Doesn't want to talk to anybody. Like, occasionally, you know, just like, hey, I'm into ska and punk and all these things. Look at my jacket. I'm doing I'm doing the hoodie with the the jacket, and it's just I don't so I don't I don't want to I don't want to really talk about that movie. What was it? Who was it? The guy who did it with. Pat ass, Pat ass, Jim Peter, Jim Peter, yeah, Jim Peterphile, yeah, no, right? no, oh, hey, no, <laughs> no, don't, don't, don't oh, cross the line, we're, we're, don't cross the line, no, Torres, don't cross no. the line. Um, it, the wonderful, wonderful man that we we all love and know so well, and John Pata uh, graced us with the world premiere of of Black Mold, which I know is kind of weird to talk about because we're. We're all friends with people who are involved with the film in one way or another. But I, I, I want to say that I think it was one of the films that I heard talked about mm-hmm. the most. Not not just after the screening, but then for the rest of the weekend. Black there, Mold was tight. It was a movie that that everybody was was talking about. So you know, Black Mold was slick. But before we go into Black Mold, let us regale why we only saw about the last half of it it was a bummer too because yeah as adrian mentioned we legit love john pata he's mm-hmm. one of our favorite people. oh yeah he is one of those people that if you are in his orbit yep i can probably assume you're a good person if you're like, one of the pata players yes yeah and was very much looking forward to this wanted to support him was Me very too. proud and right before genius and i were getting ready to head over to uh <laughs> theater one i think it was playing we were literally on our way Past the box office to the theater to get our seats because you already Jill, had your seats. Actually. We had that our seats, right? We yeah, had our seats saved and everything because Jill's like, "You guys better not miss this." <laughs> I'm like, "Oh, we're not gonna miss it, GGP. It's a world decree. We got this. You better, right?" So they're like, "All right, we get this." We're walking past the somebody fell in theater three. Both me and Greg look at each other. We're on it. Boom. Greg's over there. I'm on my way. Greg's got this dude that's helping this guy up. Mount Baldy's behind us, and he comes. Let's help him out. This guy's on the floor. I mean, he is on the floor. His buddy is sitting over there, and he's like, I don't know what happened. I just passed out. His, all the color in the guy's face is gone. Between me, Dustin, and, uh, between me, Greg, and uh, um, Mount Baldy, we got him to the guy to the couch. He's like, I'm going to be fine. But he was like, I, 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 like, dude, what's going on? We were trying to talk to this guy, his friend. His friend was almost incoherent, right? We are like, hey, we need to call the police. Don't call the police. Don't call the fire. First of all, this guy fell down. We found out that maybe he passed out, maybe too much. He already had he already had heart issues. He was already on heart medication, right? So we're like, well, let's just get him 
sitting down. Let's we can walk to the hospital. No, you can't. Not from here. Oh, well, we'll call an ambulance. Oh, we can call you an ambulance. No, don't do that. We don't need an ambulance. It's too much money. We gotta call somebody. Let's just call the. No, don't call the police. I don't know. I think I got warrant. Like no, 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 no. So Dustin's checking on the dude. Greg's going around getting like water and things like that. I'm trying to convince his buddy to like, look, we need to call the hospital. We need to call the doctor. You guys need to do something. Turns out, like, after finally, like, okay, you sure there's not going to be any cops? We're not calling the police. We're just calling paramedics. So after that calmed him down, turn to find out the guy who was who fell down. He already had heart, heart issues, had like was taking on medicine, had a couple of drinks in him and took a couple of one too many edibles. And uh, that was the perfect storm for him just crashing ass out on it. And it should be noted, he had just finished watching Super Mario Brothers. Super Mario Brothers. <laughs> so it wasn't even a Panic Fest movie. It'd be different if, like, oh, somebody... Because you always hear, like, somebody passed out at South by Southlight. I'm like, fucking normies, right? <laughs> or, like, oh, this movie was so gross and made him pass out. It was watching Raw. Like, that movie's not gross. Fuck off, right? So, like, I always hear that kind of stuff. But, like, this guy actually passed out at Super Mario Brothers. And by the time we'd got everything situation, yeah, that's was, a, that was no, like, that was the problem. Know, that's that's that was the problem. <laughs> he thought he was going to make him grow three sizes too big. So then he yeah. hit the floor and he shrunk it back down to regular <laughs> size. It was rough. It was rough. And then by the time he was situation situated was taken care of, mm. it was probably 40, 40 minutes, minutes into the movie. movie that yeah. was sort of like, like oh, fuck oh, it, let's go in there anyway. And so I had to go down and like. Sir, let me get my coat out of the way. Right. And so, <laughs> but then you were able to catch then at least the last half. There, yes, which was good. And then, Katie, were you able hold to sit on? Because I oh. got I got beef with this gentleman for a second after after hearing this because you know for some of the, for those first screenings of of Raw they had at the the Alamo site. Did you pass out? No, but I'm saying like the the like the place where they're doing it for like the people who were having issues was because they were eating. During it, because it was at the Alamo, uh, so they have their food, really? and then you got people who are going into it. So, yeah, I mean, you have to think about the people when they see people. Normies, go, I'll chew on a steak meal watching Cannibal Holocaust. I'll eat turtle fin soup. And like fucking turtles don't have fins. Yeah, they do. <laughs> flippers. You just ruined it right there. They're flippers, not. My, tar- my turtle my turtle soup has fins. Fuck off. Okay, so if, like, if your turtles have fins, we got even bigger problems. That's my there. turtle. No, but like I, they're eating. Please, come on, a movie. Like, I well, I mean, it, it it can it can happen. I mean, th- think of think of some of the times that depending upon how many people you have stuck in theater one, that y- you would have to either turn up the AC now, to hell, an yeah. uncomfortable level. See, okay, so so if you have the because that's what happens lots of those times is that it's. It's really warm, and then there's something that happens on the screen that that causes their heart to elevate, and that's why they do it. It's usually because of the heat that's getting. They the need to do that then. If they're like, "Oh, somebody passed out at South by," because like, I've known somebody who's passed out during movies before, yeah. you know, and it was not because like it was too much to handle, or it was because it was gross or scary. They whenever they say, "Oh, they passed out at South by at this movie," it's too much for them to handle. They need to say because of health issues or because of actual the movie. But is the marketing going to do that? No, the marketing wants to sell it if they can. Yeah, for it, you man. always hear that. They walked out of South by. That's the scariest movie ever made. I, I, as soon as I see the scariest movie where somebody passed out, I'm like, I'm done. I'm yeah. checked out. 
checked out. This movie's for wimps and commies. Let's just look at three. Did you put wimps and commies? Wimps and commies. Well, you know what? You know what, what is you know what is red like commies? <laughs> oh. The hue and aesthetic from one of the highlight films, I think, uh, because we had uh, one of the stars in attendance. Should be noted, this panic fest we had the great Barbara Crampton, the ageless, yes, the icon, just of which who you know how many the times wine I, connoisseur. I talked to her zero times. Me what? Too. Me too. Because yeah, we're busy, too. we didn't have a chance. And every time we tried to talk to her, she's always doing something or something else. And then we had to go run off. We didn't get a chance to say one word to Barbara Crampton. I felt bad because I like Barbara Crampton. Yeah, we love Barbara Crampton. Mm-hmm. But it was it was good enough for her to be here and gracing us with the appearance. <laughs> Katie, were you able to to interact with with the Queen at all? I was not. I've interacted with her before, but I really wanted to talk to her um, this time, especially with two films that I absolutely love that she was in. But I know, like you said, I mean, we're busy. Like, and anytime I saw her, she had like a swarm of people (laughs) around her. So I just didn't get the chance. But I know uh, seeing from beyond, my God, I mean, if they want to do anyone who's like, uh, you know, dismisses 4K and all that stuff. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this is the film that was, I mean, this is the film. Uh, she even said, this is what uh, Stuart Gorn wanted this film to look like. Mm-hmm. It is gorgeous. Like the colors are exactly what, I mean, I remember seeing this on cable in the eighties and I mean, this is what, I don't know. It was just so vibrant and beautiful. And I mean, I can't wait to own it. Like it is gorgeous. And to see that at the very first screening in a theater for the 4k um, version, I feel honored. And yeah, it was, that was, that was one of my highlights of the fest. Like, you know, to see a classic film like that in the way that the director really wanted it to look like. Yeah. The fun thing about seeing it um, in that, case was just a, a month before we were doing the the thing fan commentary for for patreon and i was talking about how that movie in 4k you're able to see so yeah. many of the of the colors in that practical work all the purple and you're yeah like the purples and yeah. different pinks and stuff like that so then getting for you guys to see the 4k of from beyond Pow. having those same type of colors i mean yeah. it was it, great it's different but it, but it, it it's the whole reason why i was talking about the thing was that you're able to enjoy like the practical effects even more so then you guys literally getting to see that hey yes 4k makes a difference because you're able to to behold not only just the colors but then all the detail that goes into that practical work ken forey's skivvies never looked any better (laughs) than they did in 4k i will say this one of the things i was very jealous of was the fact that i didn't get to experience a friend of the show Abby Olchesi's reaction, <laughs> first time reaction, watch the movie. Apparently, she was not vocal about it, but was doing like, ha! Like, oh, like you those could, kind of you reactions. Could, yeah, you, you could hear it. There were several times where I kind of looked back because I knew where she was sitting because I heard, I heard, oh no! <laughs> or, uh-uh! Or a couple, a couple squeals. And when it got over, I texted her right away and I said, hey, was that you making the noises during From Beyond? 
Because she was very excited and intimidated because it was yeah. the first time that she was seeing the movie. And I stopped Greg earlier that day and was like, Abby, tell him. And she's like, this is this is baby's first first Stuart Gordon. And oh. Greg was just was into the deep in. end with him. <laughs> <laughs> but no, she said she said that she loved it yeah. and that and that that those sounds were genuine because yep. she was surprised by some of the places the movie went. So if we ever do a From Beyond episode, we'll again yeah, we'll have to have her on. Have her yeah. on. Okay. I love it. I can't wait to listen to that. <laughs> <laughs> so then, then I have to assume, Katie, you stuck around for the uh, We Are Still Here screening. For the From Beyond screening? Or We Are After. Still Here. No, oh. no, because that's when um, I had the flat tire, so then I had oh, to leave. Yeah. I had tickets for re- Birth, Rebirth, and oh. Bury the Bride, and I had to leave for both of them. And see, this is where, again, all that stuff happens. And, yeah, because yeah. uh, I missed the first part of From Beyond. Yeah. yeah. And so, like, then I was like, I don't know, catch it, and... I, it's funny because like I, I left I had my stuff down there and I left and right when I came in it was the Barbara Crampton in the negligee <laughs> scene and so I was like I think I said right on time right and as I sat down <laughs> and so like it was just kind of funny I was like all right cool but then yeah I stuck around for that we are still here we are still here and this is something I told Ted off the, the next day so when I first moved into my house I had a very, very, very disturbingly creepy, dark, dank basement. It looked ju- almost just like the one in We Are Still Here. And the first night in my house, I didn't have any furniture up. I was still painting the walls, still had everything, right? The only thing I had in my house at the time was a bedroll, a TV, and a box of random movies. I can't even say all my movies. No way. Right, I had a box just of random, and I'm like, "Well, my first house, first night in the new house. Let's see what movie I'm gonna christen it in with. This is gonna set the mood." And so I reached my hand in the thing. I'm like, "No matter what, I'm gonna pull out. This is the movie we're watching." Funk, we are still here. <laughs> fuck! I, I even said fuck because like. I was like, I don't know if I want to watch a movie about a creepy basement with my own creepy basement now. <laughs> so like, I watched it and I was absolutely terrified. I was just waiting for me to turn into Larry Fesden. Your son rots, you know. And so like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was a bit of a sleepless night. I'm like, let me watch some cartoons or something. Let me put on, let me put on UHF or Step Brothers as a palate <laughs> cleanse because I'm kind of terrified right now. <laughs> but I'm glad you got to tell Ted of the tale to mm-hmm. let him know that that movie still works that way. Uh, other movies then that we caught on Saturday does that fill Saturday out? No, I I did see because uh, I was lucky. And I I don't mean to hurt anybody <laughs> by that, Katie. Uh, but I was lucky to see Birth Rebirth, okay. um, and that that was another one that was I didn't know a ton about going in. Just knew like the basic premise. Um, I think if you read the description or like you had the intro. Uh, from the director, then then you might be kind of thrown off because it is a play on uh, the Frankenstein tale okay. in a way. It doesn't go exactly the way you you hear or you think of when you hear that, but it is just. It, it, I think it's some of the best acting that was in the uh, entire 
uh, festival, and it's another one that has lots of heady questions and stuff like that, uh, doing things in the name of science. Is it okay to to break um, not only you know scientific or doctoral mm-hmm. rules, mm-hmm. but then also societal uh, norms and mores in the name of a uh, advancing sure. uh, science? Because there there are many many places that that it goes, and it it definitely fits into a different type of body horror. Um, hmm. But it's it's extremely pitch perfect when it comes to to the the acting. I'm forgetting both actresses' names, but I can tell you that one of them, and the part that w- would surprise everybody, but I think also get them to go in, is that uh, Carla from Scrubs Ooh. is is Judy Ray's. is yeah. is in the movie as a nurse, but oh, she's the complete opposite of the Carla oh. character. But she still has that strong will and determination. And it's about what motherhood and grief and work ethic and doing things in the name of science can can contort in in really weird ways. It's a mm. it's a very mm. emotional and well done movie. But I think if you're going into it and you like you're here modern take on Frankenstein, your brain's gonna think one thing and that's not right. That's not that's what, not what it, it is. is. But I I really liked it because of that different way. So I'm sad that you didn't get to see it, Katie. Oh, sorry. I'm bummed. I um, missed it. By um, it is playing uh, at a festival this Saturday in Chicago, and the director's going to be there for Q and A. Go and for see birth, it. Rebirth. Go. So and see I am it. looking forward to seeing that. And I did want to say, with the From Beyond, if you were at the festival and saw that, uh, one of the reasons why I stuck around for the Q and A. Is that uh, (laughs) the crowd was able to see the first minutes of Joe Lynch's uh, suitable flesh? Is that Mm -hmm. correct? Suitable flesh? Flesh. That Barbara Cramp did. No, no, that didn't happen. That didn't happen. That didn't happen. (laughs) No, yes, Baldy or or Jill's going to come out of somewhere, and they're going to try to. Me too. You're going to. You guys are going to are going to rat on yourselves then. Yes, we're gonna have to drive no, to Chicago. We, we and, did not see. Chicago. We did not see. That's right. Part, that didn't happen. No, we did not <laughs> see anything with suitable flesh. Uh, I I did not know that it did not have Heather Graham in it. Um, nobody saw it. Nobody enjoyed it, and it does not look cool. None of this. No. No. None of it. None of it. I. None I, of this. I, I no. So, um, bury the bride. Bury the bride. Bury the so, bride. So, bury the bride. I saw Spider One's uh, allegoria. Mm-hmm. It was very unique. It was a really good contemplative tale on like being a, a creative right. yeah. and the creative process. So I was expecting something a little bit more contemplative. This go around with his <laughs> with his thing, right? I really fucking liked it. And I will go on record now saying that he is my favorite film of the Zombie Brothers. Yep. I think he's I think he is he he's definitely focused. He mm. definitely has a, a a story that he wants to say, and I really was not expecting the twist halfway through the point, and it made the movie that much more enjoyable. Mm. I liked it. I liked the twist, and I don't want to give it away without saying too much because it'll give the way the twist away. Mm-hmm. But what they did w- with the tropes that what this movie actually is. Mm-hmm was very unique, very cool. I was like, oh, I've never seen that type of thing done this way before. Oh, bravo, bravo. 
and uh scout was great in it yeah. uh chrissy was really good in it chrissy was really good in it um hmm. really good yeah Chad, and Tubi and Tubi. Tubi is where you can. Tubi is where you can see it. Is where you Chaz, can see it. Chaz Bono was in it. Uh, he was in it for maybe about fifteen minutes. He did really good too. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh no, when things happened to him. So like, <laughs> I I really I enjoyed Bury the Bride more than I thought I was gonna, and that's good. That's, that's good. always a good thing. But yes, I'm down for anything Spider One does now. Uh, the the highlight of the festival wasn't the movie itself. Uh, but what happened afterwards during the Q and A? Because uh, Spider and Chrissy's wonderful little oh moppet uh, of a child um, was uh, was untethered with the parents being up front, and, uh, and Spider even pointed out at one point for the people who couldn't see and said, "Oh yeah, as you as you can see, she's playing fetch." With herself right now, and she <laughs> she had a little Nerf football that she was throwing, throwing across and the then, stage, and then yeah, and would grab it, up, throw it across but the stage. What was better than that was a few minutes later, um, when Scout had she her for a few Scout. minutes, <laughs> and then and then she ran off. No one were, knew where she was for a second. It turned out that Auntie Barbara Crampton was was playing catch with the little one uh, in the in the recliners. And, that, and that's what was that's what was uh, keeping keeping the little one uh, taken care of while the Q and A was going on. So because they were trying to like th- looking around for a second, and Barbara's like, "She's over here." Well, I was doing the Q and A or not the the, <laughs> the intro for uh, the short box was Chrissy's one was in, and that little girl was down there too. And I'm like, "If you've been in the movie, come on down and say hello." She was the first one down yeah. there. My name's Ellie. I'm like, "Hi, Ellie. What'd you do?" <laughs> I was in the movie. Oh yeah. Do you what'd you do? I danced. I'm like, can I dance with you? Yeah. And so we're just sitting there dancing for a little bit. Yeah. It was cute. She what you also missed by by not being at Evil Evil Dead Rise was about five minutes before it started, she was getting a little rambunctious and all of a sudden started a chant that then as a wave made the entire audience do the same thing. Because all of a sudden, five minutes before, you just hear Evil Dead, Evil Dead. Evil Dead. So everyone else in the audience started going, Evil Dead, Evil Dead. So we we were just like, this kid's becoming like, pretty soon, if she keeps on on coming, she's going to shove Joe Lynch out of the way and and become the ambassador (laughs) of of Panic Fest. We need young blood. That that makes sense. She's a four-year-old influencer, that's for sure. Don't don't say you need young blood because she will go out and then show up with a bag of blood. So. Yeah. Don't ask where it came yeah. from. No. Don't ask where it came from. So I'll be first one to say I didn't watch shit on Sunday. <laughs> I didn't watch a goddamn thing. I didn't watch. A, I didn't watch a fucking thing. I got there. I got here late-ish, right? Did our game of games, and then I was like, oh, helped out a little bit and did that. And then it was about four o'clock, and I'm like, I'm fucking tired. <laughs> so I went home for the rest of the Panic Fest. I will tell you a highlight on Sunday for me was one that was all about. The imagery I saw it with you, Adrian. Uh, that was Moon Garden. Yes, which was I heard that one uh, slick. Ooh, it's haunting. Yes, it it is, but it's it's one of those that very Del Toro inspired. That's probably the the easiest way to explain it, just in terms of this little girl's journey she has 
but the it, imagery, well, I mean, you could go back. Let's let's be let's be honest. For some of the imagery that that we're getting in this is that this is even if you weren't to hear it from the director, it's definitely a a love letter to those those fantasy films of the eighties. Mm. Whether it be something yes. like uh, Labyrinth. Uh, Return to Oz, even something that I think is technically like ninety in Paper House. Um, you you could even never go, ending story. Yep. Never ending story. You you definitely have some um, visual tropes of of like Gilliam that that yep. you have in there. That that it's it's very like you you talk about. Oh, I need a movie that's got a lot of practical. This thing is just Ooh. brimming with practical. But yeah, like uh, uh, Gilliam's um, Adventures of Baron Munchausen. Definitely, you you have elements of that, but but transplanted cool. yeah. into this time because there's so much of the stuff that is organically and practically made, and everything's just you can tell that it's that that the director and the set design just vomited up these visuals, you know, because there's there's uh, there's parts that are in sewers, there's parts that that look like they belong in like an industrial complex. One of the coolest shots of a movie uh, that that. It, like out of all the films that I saw was uh, the reversed <laughs> deconstruction uh, of a little organ because yeah. they, they have this character that you can't really see his face or anything. Organ like 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 an, like actual, an actual organ. organ. Yeah. yeah. But it was it was destroyed and so you see him bringing a sledgehammer backwards and Neat. it's building back up and then he starts playing without you. Yeah. Can't live without living is without you. Because mm-hmm. that's the song that the mom made. So he's Sings playing it on a on like a harp and an and an organ and it's like it was it was beautiful, just beautiful how how it was done. So but just like the the whole thing was was literally like a dream. Yeah. Interesting lullaby to choose that song, but um I mean the I think the audience was kind of familiar with it, so that worked. But yeah, I thought Moon Garden was just visually stunning, and that child actress was exceptional. So it good. is the director's daughter, but um, I thought, yeah, it was just really something uh, very, very special. Yes, uh, I know one of the ones that I saw that I loved was End Zone Two <laughs> uh, for a film that made. Like within the past couple of years, I mean, fool me that it was not from the 1970s mm. like that. I mean, the way the actresses mm. delivered their lines, the lines themselves, the clothes, everything. I loved it. I was not expecting that. Um, but God, uh, that was a fun movie of just a sequel to a movie that never existed. Um, and then the documentary that goes with it, uh, the once and future smash, like that was, that was a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, that was, um, the once, um, end zone two was one of my favorites of the fest. Now that, that morning I got to see what I think was my tied with artifice girl for my favorite, uh, unknown new film of the fest, which was traitor. Did you get to see traitor? I did not. I saw the um, Bigfoot trap. Uh, mm. Trader is just blew me away, uh, just because it's it's the definition of of making something simple. Because it's it's literally a one location, one actor film. 
you've got a couple voices that pop up that are you know people on phones and stuff like that but it's just the performance by the lead actress is just astounding and amazing and it's a movie that i i want everybody to see because it's so much fun to discuss because it's difficult to discuss um the basic like log line plot of it um is that there's a uh that it's about a sociopath who uh learns about you know a way to get into like e-trading and it just takes it by storm and it's literally when the title card comes up after it it's got a couple words that flash up on the screen that says this is a success story now what you have to realize about that is the best way to like put in a blender nerd knowledge type thing is to to mention the um, Vin Diesel uh, Boiler Room mm-hmm. movie, uh, little bits of um, a Henry Portrait of Serial Killer and American Psycho, but no blood. That's okay. the thing. Because it's it's all from the point of view and then the, the inside of the mind of the of the quote unquote sociopath. Because they start out when you see them just doing a basic grift where they're doing like a credit card scam on old people. And then, you know, they they use it to buy to buy random stuff and like amphetamine so they can stay awake. Um, and then when they're looking at their bank account, they see a thing that says, oh, get financial freedom by joining our our E-Trade thing. And so the next thing you know, they literally have a book and they're trying to learn all about it. They're listening to podcasts and stuff. Mm-hmm. And she's, you know, developing like formulas to try to find out how to do it. And then it gets really dark as it goes along. And you could say that it's a, an unreliable narrator, but there's never a point that the person's ever directly involved with the audience. So anything that you see that you might be like, oh, wait, that contradicts what this person said. It's just all part of of how their brain's working, because. They're not somebody who's doing like the movie as it goes along definitely has a message where it's talking about how how people uh, are definitely treated like commodities and, sure. and how, you know, it's stuff like uh, the healthcare industry and drug trials and stuff like that are definitely, you know, manipulative and everything like that. But that's not the point of view of the main character. The main character doesn't have a screed. They're not writing a manifesto. They care about one thing. And that's three letters. W.I.N is winning is that that's what matters to them like when you see them doing charts and stuff like that you know instead of saying failed they're writing loser on on when their math isn't coming out and like when they're doing like a formula that they think is going to work they write winner one of the very first things that you see in the movie is a pack of cigarettes that just has a giant thing that it says for winners only and like and that's the that's the thing and it's and that's why it's an interesting portrait because it's how far they're willing to go and manipulate everything else, whether it's the system, people, or whatever, to get that outcome of winning. And like that's what makes it crazy to watch because you're like, I'm not technically rooting for this person, but I want to see what happens. And I, I know that's what will turn some people off of it because it's like, oh, well, they didn't have any ideology. And they're like, that's why it's a genre film, and that's why it's scary. Because you see something like this, and you're just like, whoa, that was a creepy movie. And then you realize... That there's probably somebody there's like that several people out, out there, in the like, world yeah. who are who are willing to do that just because they don't care about anything else, but they care about the win, the high that they get from winning, and like that's what's crazy thing about. It. And like she 
is literally amazing. When when you see this actress in it, it, it's a type of movie that they would try to do like the guilty type thing that they did a couple of years ago where there was a foreign film that was called The Guilty. And then they had, I think it was Anton Fuqua uh, remade it with Jake Gyllenhaal. And you can see them like trying to do something like that, remake this with, you know, a more well-known actor, but it won't be the same because she just, the reason that you're into it is because you're, you're just captivated by every single moment that, that she's on screen. And it's also one of those movies that, that you're like, how there's a, it's a, like a, uh, a basement apartment type thing that she's living and squatting in. You don't see a bathroom and you're wondering the whole time, like, when does she go to the bathroom? Cause all she does is take amphetamines uh, energy drinks, little swabs of wasabi, and work out. Winners don't need to use the bathroom, man. Come on now. I guess not. But it's it is astounding. Again, one and actually between yeah, there's a number. That was of the movie like, that was playing against Game of Games. So fuck that movie. <laughs> I'm sorry. I can't participate because I you know fucked what up Joe's Lynch thing, and you fucked up ours. You are just burning all sorts of bridges, Torres. I can't play your games. You know that. You can play. You can show up for support. You just don't say anything. I did that last year. <laughs> we were t- we were t- we were talking outside with uh, uh, with Pat and some of them. They were talking about things that were tripping them up, and that it was the it was the nerd knowledge. Yeah, no, you can't play because you get in my you yeah. know how my well, they, brain they, works. They, mentioned, they were like, oh yeah, there was this one that they were like. I, I can't remember what the first thing they had, but it was kind of a weird thing. And then they had Mannequin 2. And off to the side, I go, it's Tourist Trap. <laughs> and they're like, what? Yeah. And I'm like, it's Tourist Trap. Yeah, if you've got telekinesis it's, uh... and then you've got Mannequin. <laughs> yeah, it was. And I said, and they're like, well, but how do you get that? And I was like, that's right. It was Texas Chainsaw plus Carrie plus Mannequin 2 on the move. Yeah. And the, the comment that I made is I was like, if you have telekinesis and you have mannequins, it's tourist trap because I know that there's a sudden, certain someone who definitely has a soft spot for Chuck Connors. Oh, we, we love us. We Chuck love Connors. Chuck Connors. <laughs> Fucking Chuck <laughs> Connors no, rules. That's what, was, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. That's how I know. Is I'm like, okay, not? this movie plus this <laughs> movie and, and these two gentlemen right here. Oh, yeah, that's what movie it is. And mm-hmm. they were like, how do you know this? And I'm like, because I've known them, you for know how the years, brain works, and I spend a lot of time with them. That's yeah. that's why I can't do the trivia because it's it's like because it doesn't matter like if it's like the songs or anything like that. I'm like, okay, so it sounds like this. This is one that Genius really likes. That's what the music's going to be for this one. It's just, it's because I know you guys too well that that's why I, I I step back from any of the trivia. You're like that guy that was on Press Your Luck that identified the algorithm and the pattern. <laughs> <laughs> so we can't have you play anymore just because exactly. you're that good. No, Junkhead, no, Junkhead, no, Junkhead. Stop. Oh, Junkhead. Fuck Ari Aster. Right? like little genius whammies come out of nowhere <laughs> steal all your money <laughs> no but when they when they put the mallet it's literally they're hitting Ari Aster over Bonk. the head no it's just dong that's what oh. it says when it hits uh, when it because it's, it's nightmare junk hit brush your luck so of course it's gonna have the donk gong as the sound I, I know we're I know good. we're rounding up on like the last couple yes. uh, movies that we had since I know it was kind of weird for for that day and stuff but and Katie, is it okay if I mention the two that I saw on Wednesday on before you mention something that you you really liked, like virtually? Because I know that there's several that you you saw on that. Uh, yes, but I would like to mention uh, Baby Blue, mm-hmm. which uh, I thought was an interesting film that started off regarding sort of urban legends and then sort of just went off the deep end. I feel like it's already kind of. 
since it's uh, an XYZ film, it's probably going to be on Shutter or something. And I mean, for the most part, I enjoyed it, but the end there was a certain segment of it that just I, I mean, it really I I don't I don't know if I should give it away or not, but uh, it's an interesting film about four uh, people who are working for this um, online magazine that are trying to get a bunch of hits. So they uh, find this uh, thing um, where a guy jumped off a building and um, blamed it, blamed it on this uh, ghost called baby blue. It turns out it's a serial killer that died. And um, they say that if you watch this video that he um, made of his suicide, then you will kill yourself too. They blatantly mention the ring like three times. Like they say, like, oh, so it's like the ring. Oh, it's like the ring. Oh, yeah. Like, like the ring. Uh, so before we go to the Wednesday one, I do have to talk about one movie that I saw on Monday. Sorry. Can you, I don't know if you can hear me. So it's blatantly like the ring, but also like uh, um, it follows. And. Yeah, Can you baby hear me? blue, baby blue. Okay, sorry, <laughs> uh, baby blue. But it was an interesting uh, one of the actress. The lead actress is also in Trim season. Yes. So it seems like she is uh, blowing up. But yeah, why don't you talk about your um, films that you saw in person? Because I think one of them is one of my favorites that I saw um, virtually. So one of the movies that I saw on. Um, Monday that I was like this movie is fucking great this one I love anthologies I love Latino representation so when you put the two together for satanic Hispanics I was all about that mm -hmm. plus plus it's got great directors so it has the director of terrified mm -hmm. okay it's got one of the directors from Blair Witch it's got one of the directors from it's a movie called one of the dead Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Uh huh. And it's got Gigi Sagarero one of the directors. Who's, who's that? Who's who's that? Uh, Gore's love, baby. That's <laughs> who that is. That's who that is. It's fucking Gigi. And at the helm, motherfucking Mike Mendes. You know, when Mike Mendes is involved, it's gonna be That's fun. That's right. It's gonna be fun. It's gonna be fun. It's gonna be funny. There's gonna be some gore. Okay. And god damn, I'll tell you what they. You could really see the styles of the directors because the guy who did Terrified right off the bat was like, that's the guy who did Terrified because, like, it was genuinely scary. I mean, but the thing about every, them were all funny, but they were all pretty unique and they were all pretty cool. And the monsters, really well done, especially the last monster. I loved the last monster so much. I almost stood up and cheered about the last monster because like, I don't want to give too much away. I mean, kind of, uh, but the last monster looks like an Aztec stone God, the God of death. It looks so fucking cool. I was just like, yes, sign me up. I got to buy this movie once it comes out. Cause Mexican anthologies, fuck yeah! It was probably aside from like the all the like the big movie like Sisu, the special Joe Lynch screening, and the other ones. This is probably my favorite of the fest, easily, easily. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't say very much because I didn't see a lot. But you know, 
Did did you <laughs> did you catch that one, uh, Katie? No, but I actually messaged Gigi and I told her you need to come to Panic Fest next year, and she's like, yes. And um, I'm friends with Mike too, and. Honestly, Mike's work that he did um, at Stay at Home during uh, COVID got me through some hard times. He's one of the most uh, like imaginative and talented people uh, that I know. And I told him he needs to come to Panic Fest next year. And he's like, tell me when and where. So I I would love if both of those directors um, came next year. Because, and I... Really mad that I missed it of all the times to go. <laughs> yeah, I genuinely love Mike Mendez's stuff. I mean, it's really good from the Coven to Big Ass Spider. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What was what was the one that you saw virtually that that you said you really liked? Oh, kick me! Damn it! I want to see that so 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 bad. Kick me. Kick Me, I thought, was an uh, After Hours-esque film that was um, highlighted Kansas City, Kansas. And I am not a Kansas fan. And this, though, watching it, I'm sorry, everybody that's from Kansas and all that stuff. Um, it's a border thing, you know. Uh, but watching this, it's like, you know, seeing the different highways and streets and things that I'm familiar with. I don't know. It honestly, I thought this was a funny as hell film. Uh, I thought uh, the acting was great. I thought it had some of the best lines in it. Um, you know, they talked about verbal verbal judo, which I loved, um, and that how a guy's mom had um, a cat bit her face, a possum um, bit her butt. Um, uh, a dog bit three of her fingers and he was like, mom is an animal lover, I guess. I'm like, this was funny freaking stuff. And, uh, this film about a guy who works at a, um, a, a high school teacher who's just trying to get to his daughter's, um, uh, singing at a church and all the adventures that he takes, um, doing it. I, yeah, I wish I had seen this with the crowd, because um, I don't, don't know. I think they had the screening on Wednesday. And mm -hmm. That was one of those things like, damn it, that looks like it would have been a lot of fun. Katie, I was there, and I have to admit, what are your thoughts on the three-legged mm -hmm. dogs? Do you? Re do oh, I love three-legged dogs. It's one of my um, one of my favorite. Yeah, one of my favorite people has a three-legged dog, and I love. It's like I mean. That little Chihuahua had determination. I mean, it was it that it had to go a ways. <laughs> I was genuinely impressed. Some good dog acting going on in this one. He was chasing some. The dogs were chasing him in Indian Springs, right? They're they're in Indian Springs. Motherfucker! They're 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 yeah. You you'll you'll get this one, genius. You'll get this one. You'll get this one. I I didn't see that one sadly, uh, because I was in. Uh, the Robert England documentary, the the Hollywood dreams and, and nightmares, which for the most part is very interesting. It's just too long. And it has it has kind of a weird thing where it mentions kind of what the thesis of the documentary is and then decides that it's going to do that anyways, because they, they talk about, oh, well, everybody knows him as as Freddy Krueger. And it's kind of 
sucks that so many people just stick him in that role as Freddy Krueger and only know him as Freddy Krueger. So what do you think ends up taking up the majority of the documentary? Freddy Krueger. It's talking about Freddy Krueger. I mean, they start off by, you know, talking about his early career and they spend a little bit talking about his later career, but the majority of it is is talking about Freddy Krueger. And that's the problem that I had. I'm like, you have the <laughs> Never Sleeps Again yeah. documentary. Yeah. You, you have a five-hour documentary that goes over the entirety of the franchise and that has lots of stories with him and has him talking. If you're talking about the documentary being this guy is more than Freddy Krueger, but you still spend the majority of like the middle section of it on that, it kind of feels like a slight disservice. So I think if they had like truncated part of that, that and kept it like at an hour 30, hour 45, I think it would have been fantastic. It's just like hearing him talk. He's one of those people that you can just listen to him talk about sure. everything. And like, He's kind of, in my review, I mentioned that he's kind of a, a Forrest Gump or Zelig type character because there's all these points in, like, 70s cinema history that you didn't realize that he just happened to be there for. Like, the fact that he was one of many people who was called out to to show up to read for Han Solo. Oh, yeah. he, didn't, he didn't do so, but they took pictures of him and everything, and he saw that they had the sides for, uh, for Luke Skywalker, and he went and he took it because he's like, oh, this is cool. He went home to the house that he was living in where his girlfriend was in the back room. And his girlfriend was writing the script that would end up becoming the Lost Boys. Right. That's one part of the story. The second part of the story is that the person who was hanging around in his house at the time was Mark Hamill. And then they cut to a shot that shows... Um, uh, Robert England and several other people hanging out at his house with Mark Hamill. And he's like, Mark Hamill's a guy who would just come around and would bring a six pack and would hang out with everybody. And Robert England's like, hey, Mark, have you heard about this? You definitely need to to take a look at it. He read the sides, called his agent the next day. And well, history's history. Right. The sad thing about that is that through the documentary, you learn that Robert England's been friends with William Catt for years. Like, they did theater together back in the day. They were in Big Wednesday together and everything. And while all this is going on, he's telling the story. They're also talking to William Cat, and they're showing the famous footage of William Cat auditioning for Luke Skywalker with Kurt Russell. Funny. And like you get to to uh, Robert England telling the end of the story, and then they they cut to to William Cat, and William Cat goes, "What? What?" I was that close. And so the fact that that William Cat basically one of his best friends screwed him out of of getting a, a life changing opportunity. But the other thing that he mentioned that was like a hilarious just throwing it off casually was he was like, Yeah, I I had this apartment, you know, once upon a time that the guy who lived below was was a real rock and roll type guy. He did music with, with Tommy Lee Wallace and one day Bless you. One day, my neighbor says, "Hey, is there is there any chance that that you can help me gather up a whole bunch of of leaves and and put them into bags?" Tommy Tommy ends up needing them, and so he went out and gathered up three bags of leaves and gave them to his friend. His friend gives him Tommy Lee Wallace. They end up becoming the leaves there at the very beginning shot of Halloween yeah. when the title card comes up. That's crazy, and you're just like. What? <laughs> and so you're you're thinking about all these little moments that like he just happened to be there, and you're like. How do we not know some of these stories? And Robert England was just there, but we think of him as, the, as this one thing. And like he's, they were talking about being in V, right. they were talking about being so in all this stuff. And you're just like, 
it, so like that was cool. It was just too long. But then the the film that I saw after it, they switched theaters for for the second movie and put the second movie in in theater one. It was a little bit later, and I'm like, oh man, I'm a little tired, but I'm gonna make it through it. I this movie's not perfect, but I was I was taken away by the elderly. Killer old people. Yes and no. <laughs> <laughs> that, that that's the thing there because there is so much that's going on in it the movie, do old people kill people or not yes people cool. old people kill people that's right? all i want to know is it old people going but around killing but people it's, but it's but i don't it's, know about the extra stuff i just uh, it can have old people killing everybody and then fuck each other i just want to know do old people kill people oh, i mean there is a scene of old people fucking too oh, no. oh is this an ari oh, aster cool. film uh, no oh, okay. uh but but i mean, I mean the, it happens <laughs> <laughs> but but the movie is like it's it's Tense, like the thing is tense. It opens with the lady listening to, to music, and she puts on a nice dress, and you're like, "Well, I've seen these movies. This doesn't go well." And she throws herself off the railing while her husband is asleep in the room where she threw off the side of, and it's like, so like he's, you know, just in a, in a daze, and his son is like, "Hey, you know, move, move in with me and my daughter." And my my new wife and we'll you know we'll we'll figure this out. And he starts having like they can't tell if he's having bouts of dementia ah. or what's going on. But like he's getting up in the middle of the night. He says that he can hear things and stuff That's... like that. And like things just get like the tension just keeps on getting yeah uh, bigger and bigger. But at the same time that all this is going on, like with the first thing that's mentioned in the movie because it takes place in Madrid, right. And they they mentioned that it's the hottest summer ever recorded on history. Hmm. So as things get weirder, the temperature is going up. So instead of having chapters in the movie, you have temperatures in the movie. That's cool. So as it's going on, you have little breaks where it shows what the temperature is. And then you see the numbers tick up. And because the the difference in it, it shows you at the bottom in subtitles what it is in Fahrenheit. And like, there's a point that I think it gets up to like 135 degrees Oof. towards end. But you're just watching Jesus. it, and it's just getting. There, there is like one scene of very small bodily harm, but it's still like you're just you're tensing up. It's very small, but you're still, and the thing ratchets it up, ratchets it up. And I thought of Genius because I'm like, Genius is gonna be watching this. And he's like, oh, I bet it's gonna be this. Oh, I bet it's going to be this. Oh, I bet it's going to be this. And then the movie basically takes you, slaps you in the face like 10 different times mm-hmm. and shows you the last shot of the movie. And you're like, what the fuck? Well, speaking of what the fuck, it's getting past my bedtime. <laughs> so we're going to hurry up a little bit. Did Katie, what are some virtual things that you saw that you would like to shine a light on? Uh, Tenebra. Uh, which is an Italian film about a uh, girl I've seen that who one. is with yeah with her brother, and um, I was like I actually wrote this down. So is Tenebra like Italian for f your daughter and have effed up families? Because that's what I got from this film. I mean, I thought it was very well done, and I'm glad they didn't uh, they alluded to the sexual. Um, misgivings rather than actually show the audience that, which is fine by me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But man, this was this was a messed up movie, and it definitely goes in a direction that you don't see coming. Um, but I thought that 
The cinematography was great. I thought the acting was fantastic. I think this is very reminiscent of those like sort of, um, I don't know, those like mystery giallo films. Uh, but I, yeah, I mean, it's a hard watch, but I think it's, I thought it was, I thought it was good. Uh, Razenfest, um, which is basically just a lot of B-roll and uh, you're hearing people doing the commentary because that's what the film's about, but it really talks about the 30 year war. And that was some messed up stuff. I mean, kudos to the sound design and kudos to um, introducing me uh, as, you know, Americans and their history. If it doesn't involve us, we don't really know about it. Uh, the atrocities regarding the 30 year war and that was a very interesting film. I mean, it's an hour and 20 minutes. It goes a little bit long because you really um, you're having the director, the producer, the cinematographer, and then a um, critic like blogger that are in this sound um, sound booth that are talking, doing the commentary about the film. And really, the film is just like B-roll. It's like the forest. Here's a castle. Here's some tunnels. And they're, and the director's describing what it is. That was unlike anything I really have seen before. Um, and then while he's describing the film, stuff happens, and it takes a really really dark turn uh but very very interesting and then i it played at the fest i didn't get to see it but i did get to interview uh the uh director and producer it is laced that i thought was like a noir thriller set in a cabin um it's very reminiscent um and they meant it to be like this hitchcockian vibe to it i thought that is a very solid film i feel like um, this is a crew that's really going to be going places. I know they were already like have a bunch of festivals lined up and then, uh, you know, talking to them at the fest, like, uh, Dana Mackin, the producer came up to me and we had been talking online and that's, you know, one of those things I love about the festival. It's like, oh my gosh, it's a face to a name. Hello. <laughs> hello. And, you know, uh, talking to the director and, then seeing his IMDb and like, oh my God, you were that jerk that was in this film and look at you, uh, you know, what, you know, with his directorial debut at uh, Panic Fest. So those are a few of the ones online. Um, and then, I mean, the shorts that I saw that I loved, I mean, Shorts Block number one had some of the best shorts I've seen like in years. I mean, Meet Friend was hilarious. Uh, Hymns was fantastic. Wolf Whistle. Uh, but my absolute favorite short of the festival was um, That's Our Time. And that's, yeah, that was, that's my favorite film. That was my favorite short of the entire fest. Hey, hey, Katie, really quick question for you. Did you see? I don't know if you can hear anything. <laughs> oh, we did. We, 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 did. we heard you. Uh, I just Okay, a... I don't know if you can hear anything that I was saying because of this stupid connection. <laughs> we, we could hear you. Uh, I was going to ask really quickly. Last year, did you watch Masking Threshold? Yes. That the, the Razenfest movie is by the same guy who did Masking Threshold. I believe so. Yeah, no. Yeah. yeah. Uh, refresh my memory of what that one is. Because uh, I think I saw that at Panic Fest, and I think it also was at Telluride Horror Show. Uh, that's the one about the guy who has the ringing in his ear and makes the documentary to try to figure out what the tinnitus is. And it takes a, on a, a really weird turn 
in like the middle act, but it's it's a uh, found footage first person style. I feel like I did, but honestly, my brain is mush. I mean, you it's guys, okay. I found a picture of me with Adrian Barbeau today, and I literally um, yesterday was thinking, gosh, you know, watching the fog. I really wish I got to take a picture with her and i actually did so my <laughs> brain is a little bit um not with it as um as it should be <laughs> and that's all of our brains right now after a yeah. long <laughs> adventure at panic fest after a long month of recovery we are still recovering but honestly looking forward to doing this again next year and yeah. recovering again next year and complaining because we're all going to be a year older yeah. You're <laughs> a lot more tired yeah, yeah. that's okay but honestly though i really do appreciate adrian you taking the time Katie, you taking the time uh, talking with us, man, mm -hmm. reminiscing, and just making it part of what we look forward to after Panic oh, Fest. Yeah. It's, mm -hmm. it's the good stuff. So speaking of the good stuff, here next week, uh, Genius and I, you're going to be hearing some of the conversations we had with some of the artists, filmmakers, the creators, uh, in the little, our little annual Dispatch episode. Yes, yes. <laughs> A lot of good time. So until that time, this is Greg D. Always. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Genius McGee. And we'll see you in your dreams. <laughs>